Good afternoon, listeners. Welcome to our new podcast, What's the Read? My name is Shante. My name is Meshva. And my name is Navleen, and we are your podcasters. In today's first episode of What's the Read, we will be discussing the book Like Water for Chocolate by Laura Esquivel, so stay tuned for that. And we are back. So Meshva and Navleen, I want to hear your opinions about this book. Generally speaking, after reading the book, did you guys like it or not? I personally really enjoyed the book. I think the author did a very effective job at keeping the audience engaged. She managed to keep me interested throughout the whole story as she kept the plot developing. The author also wrote in a way where the reader is allowed to feel a part of the story as if experiencing it firsthand. I know at times I caught myself being frustrated at some of the characters as if I was a part of the story. I think being descriptive when sharing each character's emotions allowed the reader to really understand and relate to what the character may have been feeling and sympathize with them. Honestly speaking, I think the book was a great read. There were many plot twists and character development developments throughout the whole book, keeping the audience eager to read more. The one aspect of the story which kept me craving for more was Tita and Pedro's love affair and how they would overcome the family's tradition. Laura Esquivel incorporated multiple background stories of the characters which help understand why the characters act the way they do. In conclusion, this book will always be one of my favorites. I definitely agree with you guys as I enjoyed this book as well. The author kept me very intrigued from the beginning all the way to the ending. There were so many plot twists and magical elements that kept the readers craving more. Although romance novels aren't typically my preferred genre, because I developed biases towards them, <laughs> I chose to deviate from what I normally read and challenge myself. I'm glad that I chose to do so, because now I feel a sense of connection to love stories. I also believe that there was a hidden message in the story, which was don't let others dictate your life. Throughout the story, a lot of things were indirectly indicating that this was the message. I feel the same way. This genre was something new for me, and I really enjoyed it. I have to agree with you. I have the same idea of what the message is in the story, and I think we're on the same page. As I read, I also noticed the message that we should not let others dictate our, our life. As Mama Elena was always in control of Tita up till the moment she passed away, but still had a huge impact on her behavior. First off, Tita was forced to repress her emotions of love and sadness. Mama Elena would punish her through physical abuse when she would even shed a single tear. Her mother restricted her from getting married to the love of her life due to a family tradition. Rosara, growing up closer to her mother than Tita, she developed a similar thinking to Mama Elena's and strained the same tradition on her daughter. Great! Since we're all fascinated by this book and we have all the same idea regarding the message, let's get into the inside scoop of the book. So my question for you today is, do you think Laura Esquivel was effective with communicating the overall message through different themes, lenses, structure, and also are you guys able to relate this book to anything else? Let's start with the structure of the book. I think it was very effective how the author decided to narrate the story, retelling it through Esperanza's daughter. Having a descent of Tita's narrating the story makes the reader more aware and understanding of the events in the book. Although she has never met Tita, I'm sure she grew up hearing stories about her aunt. I thought that was very clever. 
Hmm, I have to disagree with you on that part, Meshva. I believe that the author should have chosen a different character to narrate the story, preferably Nacha or Chencha, or even Esperanza because they seem to have close relations with Tita and, and were present throughout her whole life, especially Nacha and Chencha. Esperanza's daughter never got the chance to meet any of the main characters in the story, so choosing her to be the narrator was an unwise decision in my opinion as she never developed a relationship with the characters to speak on behalf of their feelings. Hearing stories instead of experiencing something yourself often leads to false judgments and opinions. Not saying that Esperanza's daughter falsely narrated the story, I just believe that she was not the best individual to do so. I'd have to side with Meshra on the topic of narration. I agree that one of Tita's descendants being the narrator of the book was effective since they only had a connection to Esperanza and Alex from the story, which made the story non-biased. It was also mentioned in the story that she bringed the tale of the complicated love story from Tita's recipe book, which described in vivid detail the preparation of the meal and how Tita felt during the preparation affected the emotions of oneself. Since her mother was Esperanza who grew up with Tita's lessons, may have shared the tales with her daughters, with her daughter, completing the missing parts of the storyline. I feel that Nacha and Chencha would have a totally different perspective on this story as Nacha was closer to Tita and despised Rosora. And in terms of Chencha, she was a huge gossip as told in the story, so many key components were hidden from her. They, they both also would have missed out on the whole time Tita was at Dr. Brown's house. As for Esperanza, I would completely agree with you, Shante, as she received the love of her own mother, Rosara, and her aunt, Tita. I feel that the author probably decided on her daughter because in the book, it was said that she was just like her great aunt, Tita, and wanted to tell the story from someone who was not directly in the action. Hmm, maybe you're right about Chencha. However, Nacho was portrayed as a more open-minded character, and she too was close with Mama Lena. So Nacha wouldn't have been biased at all. Unfortunately, she passed away. However, I still believe that Esperanza should have been considered. Great analysis with the reference to Esperanza's daughter being described as having similar qualities to Tita. I completely forgot that they had mentioned that in the story. Thanks! I definitely see your point of view, Shante. That is a very interesting way to look at it. And Navri, you and I see eye to eye. Adding on, is there anything else you guys didn't particularly like about the structure of the book? I believe that the name given to each chapter of the book was worded in an ineffective way to communicate to the readers. The book is told through monthly installments. However, many of the events that occurred in the book happened over the course of a few months and even years. I did not like how the author organized the book in this way because oftentimes I found myself confused about the timeline of events and I was frustrated when the characters would have random flashbacks of different times in their lives which should have been discussed beforehand. Naming each chapter by month, made reading for me very incoherent and caused me to form judgment about the characters. For example, Tita, the main character, is introduced as a 15-year-old female in the book, and we thought that she was still that age because the book never stated her age as she got older, and the monthly installments caused us to believe she remained the same age. I was very disgusted when she accepted a man named John Brown's handed marriage, who was their family's doctor, and is a tricenarian. In today's society, this would be considered illegal. However, as the book progressed, I started to realize that the events occurred over a time period of months and years. I can conclude that Tita was now much older and their marriage is in fact permissible.
I agree. The chapter could have been better structured. I remember when they mentioned Roberto's birth, I was confused because I thought it had only been a month from the last chapter, but then I realized a larger time span has passed. I too can come to an agreement that the monthly installments are very confusing and not organized at all, since within the chapters it wasn't a course of a month. I did find the recipe for every chapter effective since it corresponded with the feelings that were expressed and the purpose of each meal during the chapter. For example, the quail in chapter 3 was made with the roses given to Tita and Pedro and represented their passion and lust between them. When the family ate it, they all felt an overwhelming sensation and mostly had an effect on gratuitous. Another example is for the chapter of July, where Tita made oxtail soup to help her mother feel better with good intentions. But no matter what Tita made, it always tasted bitter to Mama Lena and resulted in her death. Definitely. So I decided to conduct a little investigation about the author Laura, and I found out that during her adolescent years, the Women's Vogue magazine, which she was a huge fan of, came in monthly installments. At the beginning of each page, title by month, they also included recipes just like Laura did in the story. Laura loved cooking, and one day while she was preparing a meal with her mother and grandmother, the idea of like water for chocolate came to her. Vogue magazine was a hit when it first came out, and they were all about woman empowerment. Since Laura knew that her readers were most likely going to be women and his badness, she integrated aspects from the magazine to keep women connected and empowered them. Yeah, I think that was a great way for her to reach her target audience. Speaking of woman empowerment, I think femininity was a big theme in the book. Do you guys agree? And what other themes do you guys think Laura Esquivel used to convey her message? I absolutely agree with you that femininity was one of the most prominent themes in the book. Although Laura used numerous themes to convey the message of the story, I believe the main themes were most effective in doing so were love and femininity. Since the story was a romance novel, of course love was going to be the most identifiable theme in the story. The main characters in the story were also mainly females, so by all means Laura needed to make a statement about femininity. I agree. The femininity represented throughout the book really stood out to me too. Most of the female characters in the story have their own desires and they continuously fight for what they believe in. For example, when Gertrudis returned from the ranch as a female general, I was very surprised. She was able to break social norms that only men were supposed to fight. Gertrudis fought for her rights and freedom, showing that all women have the right to choose their own path. For sure, it amazed me to see the representation of feminism and how many stereotypes were broken throughout this book. First off, it was great to see that Mama Elena was the owner and controller of the ranch and only women lived on the ranch. Usually, a man would be in charge of the household, giving orders and seen as a provider for his family. On the ranch, however, Mama Elena was the commander, who was very fierce, bold, and aggressive. This illustrated the opposite of what a woman was deemed as during this time the book was written. I was shocked in Chapter 5 when Mama Elena was not afraid to confront the federal troops with her shotgun. The men were very intimidated when they realized that she was not afraid to shoot them, as they did not expect a woman was capable of doing this. Moving on to Tita, I was very proud of her character development and what she was able to accomplish by the end of the book. Back then, women were expected to behave abstinent and follow the family's tradition in in which Sheeta did. Following these expectations prevented her from doing the things she loved for cooking, except for cooking, and drove her into depression. 
She reached a point where she refused to let others dictate her life, so she finally stood up for herself against her abusive, antagonistic mother, got engaged, fornicated with Pedro, and broke their family tradition once and for all. Gertrudis was also one of the characters who broke social norms. When Gertrudis reunited with her family, rather than returning home naked and lustful the same way she left, she came back as a general in the army, which shocked the audience. In this book, Gertrudis was commanding the men in her troop, and they were very obedient towards her. Gertrudis, Mama Lena, and Tita defied the social expectations of women and demonstrated woman empowerment. I agree. The story shows many advances in feminism as Mama Elena and Gertrudis' characters show a powerful woman in charge and taking the role of a man. One that really shocked me was the character of Gertrudis. Her character broke social customs and gender roles as she started off as just another woman for the pleasure of the soldiers to a strong, independent general for the rebels. In the book, in the book, when Mama Elena shared her concerns to Father Ignacio about Rosera's health and the living conditions of the Mexican Revolution, it may be difficult to get a doctor to be there for her in a faster time frame than when she was giving birth. Mama Elena suggested they move up with her cousins in Texas. Father Ignacio replied with, I don't agree, Donna Elena. Because of the political situation, you need a man to defend the house. She told him that she never needed a man for anything and that they aren't that important in this life. This was an unexpected response for the father, as in that period of time, everyone's mindset was so restricted. It was seen as normal to have a man of of the house to protect and provide for their family. In the story, Mama Elena was feared by all. Just like you guys had mentioned earlier, when the rebels had come to invade their ranch, she was able to stand up to them, gaining respect and inspiring fear in them. A stereotype that was broken multiple times in, in, is that women who are not virgin are never wanted. In the book, Chencha even tells Tita after she was raped, you know how men are. They, are, they all say they won't eat off a plate that isn't clean. I find this very unreasonable and it is such a foolish mindset. This incident was completely out of her control and that and that being the reason for her not to be wanted makes it even worse. How come it isn't the same thing the other way around? Why? What about the men who rape? Why do women have to be judged? Later on, Chencha was able to find her soulmate, Jesus, and marry him. When Pedro and Tita made love together for the first time, Tita had the same thoughts in her mind that Dr. Brown wouldn't want her since she wasn't a virgin no more. He told her that those type of things shouldn't be given much importance. Hearing this from a man in the story may have shocked the readers uh, and helped them understand that it shouldn't matter if the person you love is a virgin or not. Love is love. All the females in the novel break standards put up by society, showcasing that there is no such thing as a good woman, as they all have no limits to their capability. Wow. This is a very fascinating analysis you have. I try to refrain from speaking about the unfortunate event that occurred to Chencha because of how graphic and tragic it was. It truly disappointed me when she excused the nasty bandit's behavior because that's how men are. This phrase is the reason why violence is seen as a perpetuating issue that affects the female community because individuals think that boys will be boys and violence is a man's natural instinct. I too agree that her logic behind this incident was foolish 
as she should not be making excuses for a situation that was out of her control. Now, looking through a historical lens, the story was set in the early 1900s during the Mexican Revolution. Back then, women were expected to stay at home, do the cooking and cleaning. But this story does a great job breaking those stereotypes. At the time of the Mexican Revolution, everyone was challenged with social and political systems to question their values. In this story, Tita questions her family traditions, which were social, which were the social order her family had been following for generations. But Tita rebels against them to fight for not only her freedom, but also the for the generations to come. Agreed. In addition to your point made, women were expected to produce babies at a very early age. However, Gertrudis, the daughter who was actually allowed to create a family, did not have any children when she was required to and took a different path. But both Gertrudis and Rosara did not know how to cook, which was a requirement for women back then, but it was evident that they broke the stereotype. The men in Gertrudis' troop were her personal chefs, demonstrating the complete opposite of what was expected. In my belief, Tita was the individual who broke the most stereotypes in this text because she went against so many social norms that was present back then and developed the most out of all the characters. This book undoubtedly broke many stereotypes about women, and I'm glad women empowerment was so evident in this text. Throughout the book, I also noticed multiple mentions of fire and heat representing love and passion in the book. John Brown's grandmother, Morning Light, explains her beliefs that each person carries a box of matches inside of them. To spark, to spark them, they need love. This is shown throughout the book. For example, when Gertrudis feels the heat inside of her and the shower catches on flames. Again, at the end of the book, when Tita and Pedro ignite each other's inner flames. But for Pedro, he sees the tunnel at the end and passes through it, his soul leaving his body. Tita then consumes candles to ignite her flame once again. This time, she sees Pedro at the end of the tunnel, and she walks through it. Seeing Pedro at the end of the tunnel could have been a confirmation of her true love or soulmate being Pedro. They were also the only ones clue who could have lit each other's inner flames. This shows the connection between life, death, and love. Once Tita's true love, Pedro, died, she felt cold, as if the reason for her life had just died. I totally agree with you, as love was evident throughout the book. In the story, love was accompanied by a magical element that was very unique to me as I've never read any other story that combined the two in such an intriguing way. The magical elements were first introduced in the story when Mama Elena forbade Tita from marrying her true love, Pedro. The excruciating pain she felt after being told that she was never going to marry her soulmate caused her to, to develop the magical ability to communicate emotions through the food she cooks. As the book progressed, we started to see how much her emotions intensified and the stronger they grew, the worse the effect was. At the beginning of the book, when it was announced that Pedro and Rosara were officially getting married, which meant that Tita had to prepare their wedding cake, she wept horribly and her tears ended up in the batter of the cake which affected its taste. At the wedding, she tried her best not to express how emotionally distressed she was at the sight of her lover marrying her sister. However, her emotions were conveyed through the reaction of the wedding guests had as a result of eating the cake. All of the wedding guests contracted a great sickness which resulted in excessive regurgitation. This was the first sign of how powerful Tita's emotions were. In chapter 12, when Esperanza got married, Tita was in charge of cooking for the whole venue and was glad to do so because Esperanza never had to follow this foolish family tradition. Tita put her back into cooking for the wedding and was tremendously joyful in doing so. 
When the family, when the wedding guests ate the food Tita prepared, they all suddenly craved intimacy, including Pedro and Tita. They returned back to the ranch alone, and from there, they fulfilled each other's sexual desires. Their, emo their shared emotions of love were so intense that they both ended up dying from sexual satisfaction, which caused the ranch to burn down. In the book, the burning ranch was mistaken for fireworks by the villagers because so many intense emotions were occurring during this time. So the fireworks acted as a symbol of happiness because the true lovers died together. Laura clearly communicated Tita's immense feelings and the effect it had on others, which proved to the readers that if she had never let Mama Elena dictate her life, many negative situations would have never occurred in the book. I am on the same page as you guys, as the theme of love had many different symbols and were expressed through different ways, for example, Tita's cooking. Within the theme, a big concept throughout the story was forbidden love. One of the characters whose love life was not talked much about was not just. She started working for the De La Garzas for a long time, but never married and never had kids of her own. Nacho was engaged at one point. Her fiancé was sent away by the heartless mama Elena. The night she had tasted the cake to make sure Tita's tears didn't mess up the recipe, she overcame an intense craving for love. She had always wished the next wedding, which would occur at the ranch, would be hers. Nacha being denied her love, she had a deeper understanding of what Tita was mentally going through. Rosara was also not permitted to love, since she was forced into a loveless marriage with Pedro. This had a negative impact on her. She drifted from her sisters and became more jealous and insecure. As we all know, the most important, or the one that may seem as the most important denied love affair, was Tita and Pedro's. Their love story was also majorly impacted by Mama Elena. She forbids their love to succeed due to a family tradition. This shows she is very traditional and stubborn when it comes to her strict rules. The main route to all the conflicts in the relationships is Mama Elena. She, she herself, who had been unimproved to marry the love of her life, Jose. She expresses her pain through her bitterness and cruelty taken out on her daughters. I agree. Mama Elena seems to be the central enemy of the story. But when I was going through the book, I noticed similarities to another text, The Feather Pillow. The main idea in the story was that humans are driven by a sense of desire, and when one fails to achieve this, their spirits give out, losing their will to live. Tita shows this after losing both Pedro and Roberto. She falls into a deep depression. She ignores her duties in the house and even loses interest in cooking. To Tita, cooking was a way to express herself through her meals. She poured her passion and emotion into each meal. She was able to share these emotions with those who ate her food as well. Just like Alice from The Feather Pillow, Tita is drained of the will to live. But unlike Alice, Tita is saved before completely losing herself. Dr. Brown rescues her and helps her out of her traumatized state. These two stories connect same ideas, but with a different ending. Meshva, you completely took the words right out of my I too also noticed similarities between The Feather Pillow and Like Water for Chocolate. It was crazy to see how much Alicia's physical and mental well-being deteriorated because of her husband depriving her of love and the parasite feasting on her brain. Tita was also deprived of love, which drove her into depression 
as you stated. However, Tita was given the opportunity to revive herself from an ill mental state unlike Alicia. Both of the stories prove that individuals can have many effects on your life that influences you in a negative way. Alicia was given the role of a housewife who was forced to stay inside until her husband returned home from work, which drove her into an ill state of health. On the other hand, Tita was forbidden by her mother to marry her true love, which also drove her into ill health. Both of the, if both of these characters never let others dictate their lives, they wouldn't have been in the predicament that they end up, ended up in and would have taken different paths that benefited them. Those are great text-to-text connections. Another connection I can make to one of the stories we discussed in class was House Taken Over. The story took place in 1939, and society still had the same mentality that women needed to take care of their husbands and needed to reproduce as early as possible. In House Taken Over, Irene was 40 and never married. In fact, she had rejected two proposals and never had children of her own. This again went against society's expectations. Women during the period of time were expected to marry by 20 as that was the age they were most fertile. Irene completely avoided falling into society's influences and decided to live her life the way she wanted. Some of Irene's behavior choices fell right into a woman's gender roles as she cleaned the house every day, stayed at home, rarely going out and knitting in her free time. Between the two texts, the woman in like water for chocolate were much braver to break social norms. So what are your guys' final thoughts on the book? Would you recommend it to our listeners? Overall, this book was amazing, and I would give it a rating of 8 out of 10. I believe that the author was undeniably effective in conveying the overall message of this book through her use of love elements and the theme of femininity. She portrayed women in such an empowering way and demonstrated how the characters were able to break through the many stereotypes and traditions individuals were scared to go against during her time. The integration of culture, interesting recipes, and magical elements were the main factors that kept me interested and wanting to read more. I mean, Dora's work is incredible. The one thing I would critique is that she was ineffective in communicating with the audience through the structure of her book. However, after completing a mini investigation about her life, I now understand why she chose monthly installments instead of more creative names. Our past lives heavily impact the way it impact the individuals we are today, which influenced the way that Laura wrote the text. This book was definitely a great read, and I would definitely recommend it. I absolutely agree with you. This book is definitely a 9 out of 10. The author uses different themes and lenses very well to convey her messages to the readers. I would also give this book a 9 out of 10 and recommend it to others. Since Laura was able to use multiple strategies to keep the audience engaged and took them through an emotional roller coaster, the book clearly supported evolving over tradition. In many ways, she showed females acting anti-feminine and how characters want to overstep the family tradition of the youngest daughter dedicating her life towards her parents. Tita overcomes the dictation at, oh, after her mother and sister's passing. Finally, being able to express her love freely and trying to put an end to this family tradition with her niece, which she was able to do so after the death of Rosara. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you for tuning into our first episode of What's the Read, where we discuss the lovely best-selling book like Water for Chocolate. We hope you all enjoyed and potentially read the book yourselves. Stay tuned for our next episode on... 
Dante, come on. You can't give them too much information. Remember, it's supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> you guys are right. Well, listeners, stay tuned for a new episode next week, hosted by your favorite podcasters right here on Anchor FM. Bye. Bye. Bye.